Hey there, this is Jason Bullman. I'm the director of game design at Paizo, and you are listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. The podcast this week is sponsored by Bertram, 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 Bertram and Sons, the best lawyers in town. I hereby warrant that this is my honest opinion, and that I am not contractually obliged to make this claim, having no binding relationship with the company in question, and that I, the underside, oh, oh wait, I wasn't supposed to read that last bit, was I? Never mind, Bertram, 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 Bertram and Sons are the best. Definitely. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, it is a complete pleasure to be here. We're alone this week, Peter. Oh. It's just us. Ooh. No guests. What is it? <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it is just us. Well, I'm sure we'll have to find something It's to a nightmare. Somehow, it, we'll, we'll, we'll work our way through it somehow. I, I, I believe. We, we've been at it for over 130 episodes. North of that, I don't know. We are, I live yeah. Back. We're approaching three years, you know. Three years? Three Goodness. years. That is a lot. Hmm. But anyway. we'll keep going until they physically stop us. Yes. <laughs> right, should we do some but, news? Some RPG yeah. news? News all about yeah. these RPGs that people play? Should we start with D&D Beyond? Uh, oh, yes, there's been things happening there, haven't there? There appears to be a mass exodus of staff from D&D oh. Beyond. Oh, goodness. Why, what happened? <laughs> um, well, mass, mass exodus is probably a bit of a strong term because, um, well, very recently, four prominent people have left D&D Beyond. Three of them oh. left yesterday and one of right. them left two weeks ago. And these, but the, the thing with, I, I think D&D Beyond's a, Fairly decently sized company, and none of these mm. people I don't think were exactly the coders or the. They're not the people implementing. You know, people behind things. the scenes. They were kind of like the face of the company. Okay, yeah. So two weeks ago, their lead writer left, James Heck. Yes, yes. Who has written many a hot take on various different sorts of D&D classes and how you should play them. And truly, he also- some of these takes were burning hot. And I'm like, wow, okay, that is, that, those are choices you're making. Fair play to you. So he also used to be the editor for Insider. Really? For about two years he did that job. God knows. Small old world. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so the, so yesterday, three other people announced they were leaving. So Adam Bradford, right. who's the uh, D&D Beyond co-founder and yeah. the vice president of Tabletop Gaming at D&D Beyond's hmm. owner, which is Fandom, the company right. Fandom. Hmm. The other, the other people who said they're leaving is Lauren Urban, who's the mm-hmm. community manager. Oh, okay. And that's finally, a, that's a big old job. Todd Kenrick, the company's Ooh. creative manager. I see. So there's um, quite an exodus of creative talent. Well, it's the exodus of the face of the company, which is the weird mm. thing. Is they're all they're yeah. all people that you know about who work. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, like I said earlier, I don't know how many people work for D&D, but I'm sure they've got dozens of coders and all sorts yeah. of people behind the scenes doing stuff. But these are the, these are the kind mm-hmm. of people that appear on the YouTube videos and the articles yeah. and the 
on they Twitter and stuff. community engagement. Yeah, yeah. Which is very important. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they're moving on to Pastures News. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we don't know what they're moving on to. Yeah. I mean, each of them tweeted individually. But um, mm. uh, Cam Banks, mm-hmm. who created the um, Cortex system. Yes. Which is now owned by Fandom, which owns mm-hmm. D&D Beyond. Right. So he's, he's working for Fandom. With mm-hmm. on Cortex, um, he tweeted about it, and he confirms that um, what's happening is basically all three of them basically mm-hmm. received job offers that they couldn't turn down. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. weird or nefarious going down. It's not like they're resigning mm-hmm. in protest or they've been fired or anything like that. It's just they were headhunted. Well, I don't know if it's all for the same company. Mm. Well, I guess we'll Got find by out. separate companies. But yeah, well, there you go. D and D Beyond looks good on your CV. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, well, 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 all right to them all. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah. 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 It's interesting to see what happens to D&D Beyond now, though, because they're going to have to bring mm. up some, some people into those sort of customer-facing roles now, aren't they? Mm. Big shoes to fill. I'm very excited to see who'll be stepping in to fill them. Yeah. Right. Are you a bigger fan of Avatar The Last Airbender or The Dragon Prince? Ooh. Um... I mean, these are made by the same people, ultimately the same scriptwriters. Um, I, I, I don't know. I feel this is a bit of a Sophie's choice here. I mean, how can you make me choose? <laughs> I love the book, no. Um, um, but you have to choose. You must oh, choose. Oh, oh, that's a, oh, this is, this, this is a really tricky one. I really like both of them. Well, tell you what, should we talk about um, them both then? I think we should talk about both. Okay. Uh, which would you like to talk about both. first? Um, let's talk about Avatar The Last Airbender first, because okay. I, I, I'm i currently re-watching that with Jess, and it's, like, been pretty good. Well, Magpie Games yeah. have just announced that yeah. they're going to be making the tabletop role-playing game based on Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. Mm, yes. That, that, is, that, is, that is an exciting one. It's got very 20th century vibes, that mm. one does. Because, or they turn of the 20th century vibes, because the nature of the Avatar of the Last Enderbender going into Legend of Korra sort of goes from a sort of a almost medieval style to a so more. So, Legend of Korra is a spin off, is it? Legend of Korra is the sequel. A sequel? Uh, to, okay. Yeah. There, there is a lot of technological development that has gone on. So, it's almost like it sort of parallels Earth history with the sort of. The, the, the industrialization mm. that goes from quite a medieval style of thing to quite an industrial style of thing. It's pretty cool. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah. the game is coming out in February 2022. Mm. And then there'll be two source books. Yes, I believe our good friend Mendez is uh, actually working on such a thing. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he posted about it on Twitter, so like we'll have to snag him at some point and try and drag him kicking and screaming to tell us all about sure. it. Sure. Cool. Yeah. So the core role playing game, February twenty two, two source books. Yeah. The first is Republic City, August twenty twenty two, and the second is the Spirit World in February twenty twenty three. Oh, nice, 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 nice. Uh, yeah, Republic City being where a lot of the Legend of Korra is set, and the Spirit World being a fairly important part. The Avatar being a bridge between the material world and the realm of spirits. Hmm. So yeah. Mm. Right, so Dragon Prince, moving on. Yes. So, uh, 
Um, this is powered by the Cortex system. It's called Tales mm-hmm. of Zadia. Mm-hmm. And it's now available yeah. for playtest. Open public playtest. Oh. So for those people who are familiar with the series, TV show, it's set between yeah. seasons three and four. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm afraid I'm suffering from Netflix bingeitis mm, and um, I'm just unable to properly say exactly where seasons three and four are. <laughs> You're definitely looking at the wrong person here because I. No, no, it's true. No, that's how, that sounds pretty good. So there'll be a fair amount of the world being revealed. Which is pretty exciting. Um, uh, I mean, the animation style has been quite divisive. Some people really like it and some people really hate it. I, okay. I, I think it's quite nice myself, but Fair again, enough. I know it's just a matter of aesthetics. Well, if you want to playtest it, you can sign up for the, their newsletter on the Tales of Xadia website and you'll get Ooh. an introductory adventure and a rules introduction. Ooh. And then the full playtest rules will be available on February the 9th which is next week. Nice. But uh, I do know someone who's gotten access to it mm-hmm. and has a very, very brief report. If you want me to quickly whip through them, if, if you like. I think you should whip through it. Okay. So um, he says, this is a uh, pretty clean adaption of the Cortex rules framework. So if you're familiar nice. with Cortex, you'll be able to pick it up immediately. Yeah. So the stats it uses, there's a, each stat has a die rating from yep. D4 to D12. Okay. Uh, in each of six attributes, and they are agility, awareness, influence, intellect, spirit, and strength. Okay. You also have a die rating in each of six values, which are oh. devotion, glory, justice, liberty, mastery, and truth. Okay. And that's, you, a, that's a lot of abstract nouns there. <laughs> yeah. And then you have three distinctions. One of them is your character Ooh. background. One's your mm-hmm. training. And one is a memorable personality quirk. And um, they, okay. they give an example of someone called Rayla from the show. I assume mm-hmm. you know who that is. I do not. But their distinctions are mm-hmm. Moonshadow Elf, Reluctant Assassin, and yes. Act First, Think Later. Yes. Um, and have excellent Scottish accent. And an excellent <laughs> Scottish accent. Okay. Fair yes. <laughs> so there you uh, go. I mean, my wife, loves it. My, my wife loves this show because all girls have Scottish accents, which as far as she's concerned is as it should be. Scottish Elves. Yeah. That makes a change Murderous from Scottish Scot- dwarves, I suppose. Murder of Scottish elves. Murder of um, Scottish elves. <laughs> super murderous. It's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else have we got in the news? We have got some pre-painted miniatures for Starfighter from Paizo. Russ, surely you're on this like Sonic. I mean... Um, I think uh, we might have mentioned this before, actually. Yeah, yeah, we did. It's the docking bay set. That has the mm. little sort of transport vehicle with a detachable trailer and a bench and some cargo containers, crates, Mm-mm. and things like that. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, looks really, nice. really cool and basically goes really well with their flip mats and stuff. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, I mean that 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 sounds good because I know you do like your sci-fi. I do like my sci-fi. I do like my sci-fi. I'd, my problem at the moment is, of course, I'm only playing by Zoom, so miniatures aren't an awful lot of use to me. Mm, that's true. That's well, I still, true. I still buy all of their flip mats just because one day I'll be one playing day. again in person. One day, <laughs> and I will use them. I, I, I look forward to playing in your next sci-fi campaign in person, <laughs> whenever that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Woo, uh, yeah. Also, also, there's a bunch of um, creatures and stuff. A whole lot of them. Mm-hmm. I won't run through mm-hmm. them all, but they're pretty cool looking. 
And they're all pre-painted, you They're say. all pre-painted plastic miniatures. They've oh, got nice. um, Barathu, Dragon King, Kassarik, Patra Stalkers, Cybernetic Golems, all of the stuff. Mm. The whole nine yards. Yeah, the whole nine yards. Yeah. The whole nine yards. Yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. The RPG Quest. Oh, yes. So it's a rules light RPG. Okay. And they've just announced this new project. Mm-hmm. Where they're giving, kind of giving grants to new writers. Oh, could they not just give money to new writers? Well, that? You're right. well, they're not hiring them and they're not buying work from them. They're giving oh. you a grant to create your own thing and then you can sell it yourself. Oh. So they're not hiring you okay. to write for them. So what happens is... That sounds go, very charitable, Russ. I am confused. It is. So the grant is $1,000. <laughs> All right. So not you bad. get 750 up front and the remaining mm-hmm. 250 on publication of your adventure. Uh, you get um, edit free editing support and consultation, um, templates and outlines that you're allowed to use and other assistance. Huh. But, but the... Oh, I, I'm sitting here in stunned silence, to be fair. I mean, this... This sounds really good. Yeah. Come I mean, on. you know, it kind of sounds off, you know, sort of like a sort of uh, open open audition sort of thing, doesn't it? But it's not. Because yeah. what they say is they will not hold any financial, creative, or any other kind of interest in the work, and the creators will be free to sell and distribute it whenever and wherever and however they choose. I, I mean, call me motivated by money and cynical, if you will, but... <laughs> I mean, this does have a lot of too good to be true, but okay. I don't know if I've ever heard of anyone doing that in the RPG industry. I mean, they might have done, but I've not heard of it. It, It's... Well, I mean, having this sort of thing happen in industry in general is outside my experience. But no, I mean, I'm excited for this. I've got to keep an eye on this. If this works well, I might consider doing something like that in the future. Have they said why, apart from RPGs are awesome? <laughs> Is that not enough of a reason? No, that's fair enough. And and how are they selecting the... Um, pe- how does one get involved applying for grants? And so okay, forth? So they have applications closed already? So or? there's a series of criteria yeah. covering what kind of things that they'll be considering. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't actually got the criteria in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> but they do say that um, if the campaign manages to raise... Ooh, blimey, okay. So it's coinciding with their current Kickstarter for their first expansion. Right. And if the campaign manages to raise a hundred grand or more, they'll issue yes. another $21,000 grants. So if their current Kickstarter wow. does well, there'll be even more grants on offer. So how many grants do they have on offer at the moment? I think it's 10 at the moment. I think I'm not sure. I'm not 100% Maybe it's the 20th they're kickstarted as well. Mm. So they're whacking a minimum $30,000 plus the editorial expenses, which, as we've discussed on this podcast before, is not free. Yeah. (laughs) Um, In order so that budding and nascent RPG designers can get their foot in the door and get a product out the door. Really interesting. yeah, I, I think that's a. Uh, I mean, quite frankly, it's it's a really really strong choice because it's like if I had it, I'd be like, "Would you like to buy this? It's things pretty awesome. And mm. If it's good, they'll be like, yeah, thank you. Yeah, mm. that's amazing.' No, I mean, so, so such a, such a really public spirited thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Okay. Pathfinder. It's, it's nice to have such good news, really. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the the beta version of Pathfinder: Wrath of the Righteous video game is now available. Ooh. So this is the sequel to Pathfinder Kingmaker, which came out a couple of years ago. 
Mm-hmm. For some reason, it's Pathfinder 1st Edition. I still don't understand why. And possibly to do with development time. It does take a long time to get stuff going. I suppose. I suppose. But Pathfinder 2nd Edition did come out quite a while ago now. Well, they basically already got, like, the computer game engine mm. that presumably has all the Pathfinder 1st Ed coded into it. So that would make it a lot easier to produce a second version. Mm. I, don't know. I don't know. I mean, second ed would probably be more interesting to code, but maybe it's too recent. It's uh-huh. only been two years Well, the old. Kickstarter was like, was it last year? I can't remember when it was, but it made over $2 million. No. This, uh, I don't think it was last year. I think it may have been the year before, maybe. 2019. For Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous. And so the beta is now available to Kickstarter backers. So you'd have to go to the mm. Alcat Games website. Mm-hmm. And then um, you can you can log in with your access key and download the beta there. Ooh. Well, there you go. Excellent news. If you yeah. back Wrath of Righteous on Kickstarter, then uh, get playing. Yeah. Tell us all about it. Yeah. Um, oh, I saw something quite interesting. There was um, there are like there are some. As you're aware, there are some uh, RPG zines or or zines, depending upon we wish to which which pronunciation we wish to adopt. Um, which are about uh, different parts of the hobby. But I came across one the other day, which is called Knuckle Bones. Mm. And that is is a general RPG uh, zine, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, which I, I, I thought was quite interesting because it was uh, different from the from the more, well, the more, the more run-of-the-mill ones. Because it looks specifically at tabletop RPGs uh, in general and like some of the theory behind it as well. So. Hmm. Uh, I thought that was quite interesting. interesting. What was that called? Uh, knuckle Bones. Knuckle um, Bones. Just... Well, the news <laughs> I got. Do you know yeah. anybody who wants a job? Um, doing what? I'm hiring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Are you are you still looking for someone to be your publishing assistant? Two people. We've got two, two people part-time publishing administrator yeah. vacancies. Nice. And uh, the applications close on Tuesday... Monday, mm-hmm. not Tuesday, Monday. The applications close on Monday, so you've got to get in quick now, running out of time. And mm-hmm. um, these are 10 hours a week, and they're £18 an hour, and they're for UK-based remote workers. You've got to be UK-based, because mm-hmm. although the job is mainly remote working, it does involve going to UK conventions. Mm-hmm. Unless you're going to play your airfare from America or wherever, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, that's, that's why it has to be UK based because it involves face to face stuff at conventions. Yeah, yeah, okay. But also the ability to travel. And, and yes, and the ability to get to stuff. and stuff. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. So um, if there, if people want to work in the RPG industry, it's ten hours a week, and yeah. it's kind of um, a whole bunch of um, sort of behind the scenes stuff. So it's mm. like. Uh, liaising with printers and shippers and warehouses and distributors and managing Kickstarter fulfillment and running your online shop and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, stuff like that. It's an administration role, yeah, but yeah, no. handling tax, which is mm. always fun. Bookkeeping, Woo. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, not not necessarily my cup of tea, but for the right person, this job has got like a real uh, possibility to make the role your own. I think, mm. yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, so this magazine quote that doesn't exist, unquote, <laughs> uh, you will find a fictional link in the chat so that you may look upon it. <laughs> oh, you found uh, it. Okay. 
Knucklebone magazine. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to whack it because I know what I'm looking for, but it was surprisingly hard to find. Mm. So I will. I, I, I don't know. I, I really. I, I, what, what I meant to do was I meant to read it, but I failed because, you know, reasons. Um, but yeah, there's some interesting articles coming out here. Let me whack that in the Facebook group so people can have a look at it there. There you go. Oof. Yes. So, Analog Role Playing Culture, a quarterly publication for analog role playing games. Hmm. Can't argue that now, can you? Is this a physical magazine or is it a digital magazine? I believe it is digital yeah. and they have the option of physical ones as part of Kickstarters or oh, right. rather using .itch.io to itch.io. Itch.io. To yeah. I mean, the first issue is four ninety nine, the second issue is six ninety nine. So I really should pick it up. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Right, shall we have a look at some Kickstarters? Oh, hell yeah. I love some Kickstarters. Maybe a little too much, I've got to say. It's starting to pick up a bit now. Now it's February. Oh, There's a few yes. more Kickstarters. Yeah, sweet. And since we what don't have a guest, we won't play the Kickstarter game, so should we just kind of run through them? I think we should. All right. Okay. All right, so the first one on this list is, yeah. from Privateer Press, is Iron Kingdom's Requiem, the <gasps> fifth edition. Iron Kingdoms? I love Iron Kingdoms. Well, I say I love Iron Kingdoms. I played, like, about three sessions before the game ground to a dreadful oh. halt, but... What I saw of it and what I, I, I thought it was really great, I would have loved to play it. But yeah, Iron Kingdom. That's what that's was Steam Jack Mecca and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and it's doing really, really, really well. It's uh, over $400,000. It's got a week left to go. Nice. And it's, um, so it's the Iron Kingdom setting, which has been around for about 20 years or something. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been updated for D&D 5th edition. So it's kind of steam and gunpowder, meet sword and sorcery. Oh, nice! It's like what three books? You get yeah, like a yeah. You get the monster nomicon, which is obviously some sort of bestiary. That'd be a mm-hmm. good name. I've got the three E um, or the D twenty system. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Monster nomicon, which is really nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also you've got like a little campaign for Legends One to Four. Hmm. So do you actually get to um, has a player? Drive these mecha. Uh, that I don't know. I'd have to look at the Kickstarter page. Oh, fair enough. But uh, like in the D twenty version, I can't imagine it's hugely different. Well, you see, Iron Kingdom's kind of changed over the twenty years. It wasn't quite <laughs> as mecha y back then. Ah, less warjacks. Uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 become more more sort of what's the word? And Jacob Rosalski. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's who is the guy who's got all those, like, steam-powered mecha doing, like, World War One? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. Become, yeah, it's become more steam-powered, I think. As, as, mm. as, 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 it was a bit always, but it's become more and more so as the years have passed. Yeah, yes. At least that's my perception of it. No, no, no absolutely. I, I, now a lot of people I will write here and tell me how wrong I am. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> and we strongly encourage you to that. Well, stop podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, what else have we got? We have got mm. Gods of Metal Ragnarok. That sounds amazing. Is that some sort of like Viking game? Well, this is or Viking just the heavy same, metal game. It's the same people who did the Alt of Carbon RPG. Uh huh. 
and it's a sort of heavy metal inspired RPG. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. Um, so Is the that gods heavy of- metal has in the music or heavy metal has in the music video? Uh, the music, I guess. So the gods Ooh. of metal have chosen you to harness your repressed and sheltered spirit and risk it all to become a demigod of unimaginable power. Epic nice. heavy metal fantasy. Sounds nice and low stakes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. What sort uh, of a system are they using? Is it like I'm more of an OSR one? Just storytelling? scanning through to find out. I think it's their own system. If it's not, it's not super abundantly clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's their own system. Well, I've got to say, Ragnarok's pretty, pretty popular at the moment. Uh, there is, yeah, the Norse mythology for the Nine World setting. Oh, it's us scrolling through a page of mumbling. Excellent. It is us scrolling <laughs> through a page of mumbling. It's the best day. There's <laughs> the post-Ragnarok graphic novel that's kicking around as well. Ragnarok coins. I can't even find the Kickstarter we're talking about, so that's always helpful. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got? We have got Torg Eternity or Morsh. Uh, was that for the Torg system, did you say? Torg Eternity, yeah. Nice. Uh, uh, so this one, uh, this one's on Game on Tabletop, not on Kickstarter. Ah, yes, Ulysses, yes. They and handed back it, the fantasy license, the 40k license, I remember now. Yeah. Uh, Is this the Nile Empire? I'm not sure. Looks like a splat box for a place called Orosh. Yeah. You get, um, uh, like a zone map, which is, uh, fret blips. Yeah, they, you're getting quite a lot of stuff with this. This is quite impressive. Where? This isn't on Kickstarter. It's actually a game on tabletop. Yes, I said that. Which, uh, that's why, that's why I'm looking at Kickstarter, which is just the uh, wrong place to look. Yeah. Ah, uh, 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 right. The explanation of what it is is right at the bottom of the page. Okay. Of course. Where else would you keep it? At the top. <laughs> Like some sort of noob. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so in Torg, um, you mm-hmm. play Storm Knights, heroes mm. um, from all the cosmos who fight against the High Lords using magic, technology, miracles, and superpowers. Right. Uh, and you can play a monster hunter from Orosh, armed mm-hmm. with alchemical creations, magical medals, or a slayer's gun loaded with mm-hmm. various bullets carved with cryptic runes. Ooh, I do like a cryptic rune on one bullet. Yeah. So mm. as. Also, not just a monster hunter, you can play a cyber witch, a dragon warrior, an electric samurai, a psychic survivor, a mystical Edinos, a Dinos, a core earther, or a pulp hero. Nice. Um, yeah, it, I, uh, this is a setting for the Torg Eternity core rule system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do need the core rules to play, and also in a Torg Eternity drama deck for $20. So mm. there you go. I mean, okay. I, I do like the artwork. They've got some sort of like vines, skeleton zombies, and some sort of like snake man, which is also a vine snake man as well. Yeah, yeah it's got it's got a real pulp feel to the look of this. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, well, you can pick up a bunch of uh, uh, splat books that you might have missed. For instance, the Far Cold, Living Land, uh, Azel, Cyber <laughs> Papacy, and Nile Empire. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know very little about Torg. I've never, I've never seen it offered to play, let alone played it. So, mm. uh, no. But what about the eighties? What do you know about the eighties? And by the eighties, of course, I mean the nineteen eighties. The nineteen eighties. Yes. Uh, well, I, I was actually quite young at the time. <laughs> but you so, are aware uh, of them. I am aware that they existed. Yes. So you could play an RPG, which is a mix of nineteen eighties 
Kids yes. on Bikes Nostalgia. Nice. Cross with Harry Potter the Cottage Years. Hmm. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a hell of a cross. Yeah. Okay. It's called so, Lighthearted, a magical 80s RPG. Okay, so it's basically someone said, why isn't there a role-playing game for the never-ending story? And bish bosh, there you go. Hmm. 1980s John Hughes teen movie archetypes attending Magical Community College. I see. So it's like uh, The Breakfast Club, if The Breakfast Club was at Hogwarts. Yes. Oh, okay. It's a choice. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> that yeah. does sound quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I can see how you could have time for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, what else we got? We've got Xenoscape, an extreme survival sci-fi RPG. Oh, sold. Humanity colonises a planet, and the colony mm-hmm. fails as the planet's ecosystem overruns it. And you're Ooh. the last descendants of the colonists fighting to survive. Oh, wow. That sounds a bit like Harry Harrison's Death World series, which yeah, lovely. I'm, I'm pretty interested in. Uh, does it say anything about the system? Is it a unique one or more storytelling? Uh, an original more system, problem? yeah. yeah. An original system. Who's, is, who's it by? This one is by Tin Hat Games. Tin Hat Games. Mm. That rings bells. Okay. Can't remember why. Oh, this is a good one. <laughs> Archetype <laughs> Anthology, a dozen subclasses for D&D 5th edition. My, that looks amazing, that one. I think everybody should back that one. Does it actually have 12 subclasses, is it? It actually has 14. 14? 14. 14. number. Two extra ones. Well, so, I mean, it's promised to be 12 and it's giving me 14. What am I going to do? I'm going to have extra subclasses lying around just, the place. You're just going to have to complain, aren't you? Like, how I dare you give literally. me two extra subclasses? <laughs> This, uh, I see you have sent me 14 subclasses where I specifically requested 12. Please cease this <laughs> outrageous oversupply. <laughs> There's a limited number of subclasses I'm prepared to accept. <laughs> so this one's my Kickstarter, obviously, oh, and it right, ends on yes. Tuesday. Ah, excellent. Well, I, I really should get them back now. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, how's it doing? I was doing very well. It's just past ten thousand pounds. Ends on Tuesday. Very happy with it. Flipping it, ten thousand pounds. Yeah, nice. uh, this is like the latest in my series of mini quick starters, and yeah. the one after that's actually already lined up. Here it is. Look. Oh, oh, one page adventures. As I hold it in my hand here, and you can nice. see inside. Look at these. Ooh. Very oh, very okay. Yeah, just grab it out, uh, open it up to a page, and then blam, you're ready to run. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. there's 25 one-page adventures in this, and this is going to be launching in, what, two weeks? Two, just over two weeks. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, so towards the end of February. Yeah, yeah. And then running for another two weeks. One. Yeah, that right, looks very good. Hmm. Okay, yeah. the next Kickstarter. Yes. Ooh. Hypnagogic yeah. Jerks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad I'm not playing the Guess the Kickstarter game this week, because I'd be like... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> uh, so, it's a rules light RPG about dreams. Ah, uh, right. Yes, that makes mm. a lot of sense. So, the sort so of in this game, you are a moves. sleep agent. Mm-hmm. And you're escorting a dream avatar on a yeah. quest for enlightenment, opposed by other sleep agents that want to stop you. Ah, uh, just, just, just for those people who are wondering why I'm going, what? A hypnocognitive jerk is that thing where you're falling asleep and then you suddenly jerk and you wake yourself up because uh, you imagine you're falling. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so oh I thought it meant jerks as in sort of, you know, 
I think it might be a tune. That's what I'm sure. Or play on words. Yes. So someone saw that and said, I should make a Kickstarter for that. And lo and behold, here we go. Oh, fair play. (laughs) So it's your dream agents trying to mess with other dream agents. Is that about the size of it? And what's happening? Well, that's about all I know about it, I'm afraid. That's all you're asking all, me more information than I actually know. I'm just whipping through a list of Kickstarters. I, uh, yeah, it's through it's list not like I've, I've written these. Here we go. Okay. I'll, I'll read it out to you if you wish. Please Hello do. there, I'm Jared. I'm starting my own small business called The Hangwire and Hyper Sigil Games. A large part of this endeavour, at least in my head, involves me self-publishing zines of all kind. I have a published interest in role-playing as it's something that's been with me. Yeah, this is really long. Oh, I could read okay. it all so that, that is, <laughs> Okay, so is it actually a zine? Yeah, I'm going to call it a zine because it's a magazine, but yeah. online. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so is this like? I, I'm, I'm confused. Is this like a role playing game or is it like a zine? It's both. It's both of those things oh, at the same time. Oh. More than one thing at the same time. I, yes. I'm afraid of mind blown. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Yeah. It's oh, an RPG in like? zine form. Ah, I see. Mm. Ah. Well, it seems, it seems like the um, the awfully cheerful engine is uh, definitely being a bit of a trendsetter then. Yeah, despite the fact that it doesn't exist yet. But yeah. <laughs> well, it exists just in your house. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, right, so the next one is called Low Stakes. Or Low Stakes. Low stakes. Anywhere you want to put your, your emphasis. Low Stakes or Low Stakes? Ah, the game of um, finding and um, laying to rest magic vampires. It's, yes, the, it's a, vampires? you know what Very we do in vampires. the shadows? Yes. The, uh, the, the comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of that. okay. Oh dear! Right, supernatural yeah. vampire roommate comedy. It, it is indeed a game of low stakes adventure. It sounds very mm. like slice of lifey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tower of Scoundrels. That is a strong name. It's from Phil Reed, and it's mm-hmm. the Mork Borg system. Uh, Mork Borg. Uh, it's a. Uh, let's have a look. Is there a tower? Is it full of scandals? That's what uh, we need to know. Right. So, this is a short adventure packed with a seven-inch vinyl record of atmospheric tunes used a record sleeve as a GM screen includes two booklets. Mm. Wow. Cunning. That's interesting. Oh, it's got that classic uh, Morkborg yellow and black yeah. heavy metal aesthetic. Yeah. Oh, limited to 500 copies. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Does it say how many have gone? Oh, they've got uh, We can see how many people have backed it. 349. So Ooh. it's about 150 left. 151 well, left. They've only got about 37 left for the international print availability. Wow, this is a really small run they're doing. Fair enough. Well, I don't imagine the market for kick-started vinyl records is massive, is it? <laughs> the last Kickstarter... <laughs> The last Kickstarter. Love's Labour's Liabilities. Ooh. Isn't that um I think Egg Embry's involved in that correct. one. That's a zine, isn't it? That's correct. This is Egg Embry. So Egg Embry, for those who don't know, writes the Kickstarter column that we base our favourite game in all the world from. Yeah, thanks, Egg. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose it would be a bit churlish not to include his in this list. But yes. he's, he's put it right at the bottom, to be fair. But anyway, so Love's Labour's Liabilities, uh, 5e content based on the theme of love for your game. So it's got like mm. warlocks, 
whose patrons are obsessed with them, mm. and monks who use the tragedy of breaking up to fuel their discipline, Ooh. and there's backgrounds and feats and monsters, all based on love, basically. Ooh, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and when, when's that Kickstarter end? Saturday, February the 13th. Right, that's all the Kickstarters. Woohoo! That's them done. Right then, Dalek Frog, are you ready to play Burrows and Bear Owls? I am ready. Begin the simulation. Well, it's not really a simulation, it's more a game of imagination. Daleks have no imagination. Imagination is weakness. Right, right, right. But let's let's give it a try anyway, huh? Anyway, so while at the tavern, an elderly halfling approaches you and I exterminate him. No, no, no. Wait, wait until I finish. I will wait until you finish. And then I will exterminate him. You don't have to exterminate everything, you know. Why not? Well, what, what do you mean, why not? Why would I not exterminate everything? Well, it's just, uh, it's, it's not really in the spirit of the game. Very well. I will not exterminate everything. Ah, good. Right, so, where was I? Yes, the halfling. He starts to tell you all about his... I exterminate him! Look, you said you wouldn't. I lied. Look, would you please try to engage with the game properly? Very well. So, where was I? Ah, yes, the halfling. So he... I exterminate him! Will you stop doing that?! I am a Dalek. I am well aware of that fact. Look, think of this as a, a, a training exercise. Daleks do not need training in extermination. Do you think of anything else except extermination? No. What if the Supreme Dalek ordered you to do something less uh, exterminating? Then I would exterminate him. <sighs> this is getting tiresome. Right, let's just, let's jump ahead. So you've reached the Necromancer's Tower. Your goal lies within the mighty pendant of Antilopes. What do you do? Where is this Necromancer? You can't see him at present. You're outside the tower. I will find the Necromancer and exterminate him. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. All well and good. Uh, at least we agree on your long-term goal. But in the immediate term, what are you doing right now? I enter the tower and set my weapon to maximum extermination. Uh, very well. So there's a winding staircase leading up into the darkness. You can hear the muffled sounds of chanting from above. Somebody is engaged in some kind of vile ritual. I engage hover mode and ascend the tower. You arrive in a large chamber filled with occult symbols. A robe hooded figure stands within an engraved circle which glows with eldritch power. I exterminate him! Ha 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 Your disintegration ray bounces harmlessly off the magical aura surrounding the necromancer. You cannot exterminate him. Then I will not play this game. Oh, don't be so silly. Just because you can't have your way all the time. I am a Dalek. Yes, yes, I know. You don't exactly hide the fact. The Daleks must be obeyed. Well, not in this instance. Then I will exterminate you. Uh, I saw that poor excuse for an ending coming a mile off. 
Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We just wanted to mention our Patreon. Peter, are you familiar with our Patreon? Oh, is it uh, patreon.com slash Morris? Yes. M-O-R-R-U-S. At patreon.com forward slash Morris, you can find our Patreon, which is what pays for our podcast and buys yes. us all these wonderful microphones and yes. mixers and other little bits and pieces. And wires, so many wires. And all these wires. Uh, we have a load of wonderful Patreon backers at the moment. And yes. those backers get... We cherish you all. Yes, we do cherish them very much. And those yes. backers get bonus content every single week, just as a thank you for, uh, for backing our Patreon. And because they're so awesome and so quick off the mark, they also get to like talk to us in our Discord channel, which is pretty good. Mm. And we sometimes even deign to answer that. Uh, but even more importantly, when we have guests coming onto the show, they have the opportunity to ask questions of those guests. Mm. Um, and then we will pass on the questions that we think we, our guests will answer. So please, if you do enjoy the podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Morris. Link will be in the show notes. Yes. And support us, even with just a dollar a month. Every little, every little bit helps. I'm enjoying running at the moment, which is new for me. I've got some dwarves. They're tooling around in mine. They're learning how to play Savage Worlds. I'm learning how to run it again because mm. it's been about two, three, maybe four years mm. since I last run it. And it's got a whole new edition, which is nice. I really should start mm. a level up campaign sometime soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like. Poof. I don't know if we've really got time to get a campaign going anywhere, really, because it takes about, even with like fairly quick levelling, it still takes a while to get places. Yeah. Well, you can yeah. do short campaigns. You can do sort of like three level campaigns and stuff. I suppose it's more for a long adventure than a campaign, I suppose, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I quite like having endings and stuff. I've got like a fairly open-ended D&D campaign I've been running mm. and inspired by the designers on the level up boards I've um, been brushing out my busting out my homebrewing skills mm-hmm. and I'm hopefully addressing things I've put some rings of devil sight onto achievement free items so I don't have to bother about dynamic lighting it keeps on breaking my players mm. <laughs> breaking my players machines oh uh, did we ever get around to speaking to roll 20 because they're doing incredibly well aren't they yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the big three at the moment are Roll20, Fantasy Grounds, and The Forge. I've not seen um, The Forge. I've seen Fantasy Grounds, and I've seen Roll20. Oh. Is The Forge so any good? Have you the, tried it? I haven't tried it. It's about 24 quid on Steam. Mm. And I'm like, look, I keep looking at it thinking, ooh, I could do that. And then, because it's not a subscription based model, it's you download a program, then people can log in. Mm. But the latest reviews have been. Distinctly uncomplimentary. Ooh. You got some from about three years ago, which are really nice, but the all latest ones are not very nice. Hmm. I know the Pathfinder 2 community, they're super into the Forge. They think it's great, but like, I've got no personal experience. And it's 24 quid, which is a lot of money to spend on something where I've got a perfectly good Roll20. Yeah, I quite like Roll20. Uh, my my yeah. first proper experience with it 
mm. is pretty much the campaign we're playing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Before that, I'd not really played Roll, used Roll20 at all. Yeah, it's fine. It's, uh, yeah. My problem with it is, and um, this isn't a problem with Roll20, it's just a, a problem with virtual tabletops. I mm-hmm. tend to find, because there's always a map and tokens there, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it in terms of the map and the tokens and where my token is on the map and moving my token. Mm-hmm. And I'm not looking at the GM, I'm looking at the map. And I'm not imagining... Mm-hmm any rooms or scenes I'm just looking at the map so mm-hmm. there's no theatre of the mind going on in my head at all it's, it's, it's more like a board game to me almost and I'm finding I'm finding that's actually quite disengaging for me personally it doesn't it mm. takes me a little bit out of the game and I find it hard to hard to get immersed in a game like that no no I mean that, that's entirely reasonable I am finding uh, what I'm calling, for lack of a better word, modal play to be really helpful What's modal to play? my understanding. Well, you know, Pathfinder 2 explicitly breaks down the game into a downtime, exploration, and combat mode. Right. And you switch between those as you need to. And like Lancer has sort of the role-playing side of things, which is very loosey-goosey and fast and furious and playing around, and like a much more crunchy, satisfying tactical combat side there's the same game but you just switch between different modes according to what you need um so for running on roll 20 i'm very much using the sort of the three pillars split Mm -hmm. of exploration social and combat so combat goes straight onto the map which is quite frankly for fifth edition where it really needs to be Mm -hmm. so you can do like the the various because D and D, like you really do need those like feet and so forth. You can get by without it, but all you're doing is just abstracting the grid into the GM's head, and in my opinion, disempowering players. But that's just purely my opinion. For things like exploration, I really love the dynamic lighting because you can use a map. And you can add description. You can add like a little bit of music and have a map, and they're like going around it, or you can talk about it and evoke the thing, which. But, but what you'd want is you'd want like a picture of like uh, for for exploration challenges. I like to put like a picture of like some suitable location, whether it's fancy. Yeah. I think yeah, I think the trick is not to have the map up unless you need it right now. Yeah. So you're not thinking about it like a board. Yeah, you, you don't want to necessarily have a map all the time. Yeah. But occasionally you want to switch it with a picture, mm. just because that gives you something to visually focus yeah. on. Yeah. Because. For myself, I'm very visually focused. I, I need to have something to look at. Otherwise, the losing the losing focus problem is very well. I'm very familiar with, mm. and I quite like the way Al runs. In that, when he's introducing an NPC, he throws up a picture, so you sort of have a bit of an idea of who you're yeah. talking to. I kind of feel like because I think basically mm-hmm. I prefer first person perspective to third person perspective. Yes. In an oh, RPG, yeah. so I, I kind of want mm. to. If I'm entering a room, I want to yes. be able to see it through my character's eyes or my mind's eye, rather than look exactly. down on it and see. You, mm. Do you know what I mean? And then oh, I yeah. feel more immersed that way. Yeah, I, I mean, essentially, it's all about information flow. Um, if you imagine looking at the world for a straw, that's the standard way that RPG information is. That's exactly how I look at the world, right? I look at everything through a straw. Why wouldn't I? Yeah, I, I? I know it's just one of your more endearing quirks. <laughs> I mean, some people might question that maybe you spent a bit too long indoors, but <laughs> I'm like, 
as long as you're happy, that's the main thing. <laughs> but but because you're looking at the world through a straw, you can only get necessarily like um, a small part of it. The bigger you make the straw, the more the players will understand stuff. So the GM has the whole world, has they understand it, and they're trying to pass information on to the player. But ultimately, a voice channel has quite a limited bandwidth. So having like a map or a picture that increases the information. In teaching, you have things called realia, which are like real things. So you might have heard of some GMs, they uh, actually break out props and so forth to let players like, or sometimes these are just props to have a look at, or sometimes these are props which actually have a purpose, like a uh, tress that needs some locking. And how it, how useful and how appropriate these are, it will vary from person to person, because there are strong arguments against them. But it's all about increasing that bandwidth so that players can be more immersed. And for me, that's really key. Well, there's also an element of giving out less information and just letting the players' mm-hmm. mind eye fill it in themselves. So mm-hmm. when you when you give them a map, you're giving them all the information, basically, you're to, to the very foot. Mm-hmm. You know, you're literally saying mm-hmm. this is exactly what it is. But mm-hmm. if you're describe if a player enters a room and you give a very, very basic description. You don't, like, have a paragraph describing every cobweb in the corner and every jar on the shelf or anything like that. <laughs> you just say, okay, you're in, um, you're in, uh, uh, I don't know. If you say you're in a store. You're right? in a store. In, the players that make... That gives you an idea. Yeah, that's kind of all you need to say. The players will make that storeroom in their head. Unless there's something important about the storeroom that you need them to know that is unusual or different, yeah. Every player is going to be imagining a different storeroom. They're going to be imagining what a storeroom is to them. But that doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like when you're reading yeah. a novel and they don't physically describe the main character, that doesn't matter. Yeah. And they imagine each reader is going to imagine that character differently. Yeah. Be- being parsimonious with your description is really an untaught, unthought about skill. But yeah, if, I, if you say you're in a storeroom, one set of things, you're in a dusty storeroom, that gives you another set of things. You're in, a, you're in a dusty storeroom. There's a strong sense of old spices. Yeah, but you don't you don't need to go. There's three shelves on the left, and on the top shelf, there's seven shelves. <laughs> you know, you don't have to describe everything in the storeroom because people know what a storeroom looks like. Oh, oh yeah, precisely. And I I personally like to leave some authorial control over to the players. Mm. So if like you know, they say, okay, well I'll grab uh, a jar off the shelf. Uh, empty it out and use it to listen against a wall. Mm. Like I might not have had a jar in there, but you know what? A jar is a perfectly reasonable thing for a storeroom. So yeah, of course, of course, of course they can. Yeah. So now that is a jar, and more importantly, it's always been there. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it's like it's it's little things like that. Yeah. So getting that information across is is the thing. Um. And also stuff like, I think the phrase, through a mirror darkly, is a really resonant one with me. Mm-hmm. As in, your player actions are dark reflections of your character's actions. Because your character is in the scene, mm-hmm. they know what's going on. They're experienced in that world. They've lived it. They know what things are. Whereas you as a player are, you know, trying to look at their world through sort of like a a, a, a bad mirror mm. sort of thing. Like it's um, a reflection in a TV screen almost. But you're trying to work out, not not an actual TV picture, but actually looking at a room through the reflection of a TV screen. It's like, yeah, you're, you're going to miss out things. You're not going to get all of mm. it. So it's sort of like 
allowing for that interpretation. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I feel that's useful. Mm. I, I call it the assumption of competence. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of... That's an immersion thing again, though, isn't it? That's... Um, mm. Your your mm. character, obviously, is 100% immersed because the character mm. exists in the fictional world. That- you, as the player, yeah. can never be 100% mm. immersed... Like mm. Even if you played via VR or something, you still will be, there'll still be like that 1% where you know you're playing by VR. So you'll yeah. never be 100% immersed. So it's just about how, how much immersion can you achieve in a role-playing game? Mm. Like how much can you achieve with, with a, a movie, for example? You never, no matter how good the movie is, you never stop realizing you're watching a movie, do you? Mm. Although, like, you can get very carried away yeah, with stuff yeah. like VR. Um, I speak to someone who, was playing and they it's basically like you know the Tron game mm-hmm. with like throwing the they basically have one of those on VR mm-hmm. except it's like sort of a weird squash game mm-hmm. and I was getting quite frustrated with my inability to connect with the um the floating disc. Mm-hmm. So as one was coming towards me, I did a I did a big jump up in the air to um smack it down the court. Um having failed to realise that my room has a very definite height which does not allow for me to jump <laughs> up in the air. That was an expensive mistake for us. Yeah, uh, I did something mistake. quite bad as well. So I was playing <laughs> VR with my brother, um, like mm-hmm. um, over the internet, and mm-hmm. we were playing a game of pool. So I'm oh, there yeah, in my lounge. He's at uh, his house. I'm there. Uh, and uh, I literally did forget about it to the extent where I went to lean on the table as I took my shot, my full <laughs> shot, and I just went, and <laughs> just flat on my face. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, I think this may be a counter argument to what you were saying earlier about immersion. Yeah. So yes, <laughs> yeah, it does happen sometimes yeah. with VR. Then. Yeah, you're right. It does happen sometimes yeah. with VR. It can do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, in some ways, that's like really exciting. I mean, there's there's probably some sort of social issues around it, but I'm not really interested in those. What I'm interested in is how can I make my role playing games more awesome? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to work out how long it's going to be before I'm next going to actually play an RPG in person. And I think it's going to be like six months at least. If that. I do, I do definitely miss it. I do think, um, by Zoom, there is something missing for me. I, I I try and be philosophical about it. Like, I really like being in person. It's, it's definitely my favorite place to be. Because when you're there in person, you're there with your friends, mm. or at least with people you like well enough to role play with. You got snacks, and for me especially, I'm quite a fidgety sort of person at the table. I like to be looking around, seeing what other people are thinking. I'm one of those annoying players that builds towers with their dice, um, and it's just like generally always looking back and forth and like wanting sketch maps and so mm. forth, and trying to get as much information. And like little in character side conversations. Sometimes if in, if there's a big group and the GM's uh pretty distracted, then I'll occasionally ask someone like like little side questions and we have yeah. like a little bit of a role playing moment. You can't do that online mm. because your choices are you can either use the voice chat, which is a you know big faux pas because that needs to be on whoever's doing the actual role playing business. Or you're like typing things back and forth, and which is distracting, right? Yeah, 
It, it is distracting, and like it's not always very useful, and certainly mm. with mixed. I think the other places. problem I have also mm. talking of distraction yeah. is when I'm playing yeah. online and you're playing on your mm. computer, you've got the distraction of your PC there as well. Whereas, mm. you know, the equivalent of yeah. sitting in person and just looking at your phone, you wouldn't do it. Well, some people oh, yeah. do do it, but you know, it's yeah. it's you know, obviously something you shouldn't do because it's just basically rude. Mm. But when yeah. when you're yeah. sitting a playing online sometimes you can't help but just quickly check your emails or quickly just like look at something and yeah notifications pop yeah. up and you're just, or if you're if you're like me and like your concentration span has flown away like a lonely sparrow <laughs> in the middle of spring at the start, uh, sorry in the middle of autumn then you're like oh yes okay it's not focused on me i'll go and look at something else mm-hmm. now and it's like oh that's so rude but it's very hard to keep your focus. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, if like people aren't directly talking to you, so otherwise, it's not a reflection on other people's GMing. It's just like I, I'm actually finding GMing more preferable at the moment because that way I'm always supposed to be paying attention. That mm. uh, helps me keep track. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think I. Yeah, I think I still prefer in-person GMing. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. In in, in person, I think is and really should be the gold standard. But there's a lot to be said for online. I mean, my personal aesthetic standards have increased quite a bit. Mm. And there are like some excellent ways, some excellent websites, which for free, for free, Russ, will let you make tokens and what I call minis. You know, you can get like the, well, you know, we've got on Zoom, we've got like little things which look like a little doll that you can move around. And then we've got like a, and I call those minis. And then you've got like um, uh, the tokens, which are a picture in a circle Mm -hmm. of various colored border. Yeah, you can get, you can make both of those. And quite frankly, once I discovered the, once I discovered the tools for those, it really cut down on my prep time for a lot of games. I mean, I I prefer the minis, but I I find the tokens much, much easier to make. I think a lot of people Um, are going to be playing online more when the pandemic's over. I think a lot of people generally will be playing online more just because they'll have been forcibly introduced to online play and Mm. they'll have realized it's actually okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of tools to support it, and that I mean, I I I would like I would still be playing online, even like you know post pandemic, because my gaming group is now split across three cities. Yeah, so it's a lot easier to schedule stuff. Yes, no no travel time. You can play later because you don't have to travel anywhere. Yeah, you've got a bigger pool of people. Yes, yeah. who could potentially play. Yeah, so there's Good a lot of benefits to, to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and you can't um, catch COVID via you can't via the internet. It. <laughs> and also, I will say this, for things like um, D&D, it actually makes the game more accessible. So are we agreed that online play is a good thing, but we still really like in-person play? Is that, is that very, our summary? I, 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 I very much like in-person play, and yeah, I'm glad that I've got online play. Yeah. And to be fair, it's like, let me do stuff. Like D&D Beyond, like there's a, an extension that you can have, and you click on it, and it rolls the dice and does all the maths for you, mm. attack and damage. And you can do that in roll 20 as well. I just like having the extension. Yeah. And that's, that's really good. I well, mean, we've, we've got that on, we've got that in the Pathfinder game as yeah, well. Yeah, we've got that on Pathfinder and roll 20. It does all that, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a bit more cumbersome because you have to like add all the bits in individually. Mm. And if you're not 100% sure to rule system, it's a bit more than fair. Yeah. But I mean, for some people, it is really a struggle to take um, a number and add it to a 20-sided dice because you're not necessarily sure which number you're adding. And that's okay. 
the computer will do it for you, which is, and you can just concentrate on your roleplay. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, then again, for some people, the, the dice rolling and the numbers are fun in themselves. Like rolling a oh. handful of D6s for a fireball. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. that in itself is part of the fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, and it's kind of nice to whack a big dragon onto a virtual tabletop, but nothing has quite the same satisfying clump sound as you put a miniature which just towers oh, over actually, it. really weird. Talking of dragons, that happened to me yeah. this week. You so, had something happen with a dragon to you? Yeah. So I, <laughs> yeah. off eBay, bought a Ralph Arthur um, gold dragon. Ooh. And the reason I bought it was because it's the exact one that I used to own. Ooh. And somehow I lost it and I haven't had it for like 20 years and I kind of just wanted it back. Yeah. So I'm browsing um, eBay and I see mm. one. And mm. I, oh, that looks like the same thing. Uh, mm. So I bought it. And yeah. it arrived yesterday or the day before and I opened it and I'm like, I think this is the same one. What? Your actual dragon? Yeah. Because there's <laughs> this sort of... It wasn't that well painted. It was when I say it wasn't that well painted. It was badly painted, and there was also this light blue stain on its back. Right. Okay, that I remember. And oh. I suppose it could be a coincidence. Oh. But I think I'm going to have to email the person I bought it off and just say, you know, just out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah. you know, where did you get it from? Because is this is this thing really made the rounds and come back to me? That'd be so wow. bizarre. Yeah, um, sounds like a real car boot sale. Of <laughs> course, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, it can't be. The odds are so slim, but well, weird yeah, it was. Yeah, wow, that's well, it's pretty cool. Like a boomerang dragon. Mm. Uh, it's found its way back to you, back to its home where it was yeah. appreciated. Yeah. Oh. Oh. So now it's <laughs> sitting upstairs in my library. Yes. Oh, box. Although its tail did come off in transit, and I had to order some glue as well. From Amazon to get them to put that <laughs> such, such are the perils of miniatures. Yeah. Uh, ah. There we go. We did find a topic <laughs> of the week, and it was: Is online play any good? And we decided, yes, it was. There we go. <laughs> well, there's a shocker. Yes. Should we wind up then? I think we should. So next week we have Sam Bartlett from Roll Ooh. and Play. And let me give you a link so you can see what this is, because I think you're going to quite like this. And also, he's offered to send us a copy. Physical Sweet. copy. Ah, yeah. um, we have mentioned it on the Kickstarter before. It's like a fantasy toolkit, and it was on Kickstarter a while back. Did really well. Ooh. Did like 200 grand or something. Yeah. So it's a book of generators and stuff. And ah. it's in a sort of spiral-bound notebook. Nice, nice. And it's just like, a, you know, tables of festivals or parlor games or tavern oh. interiors. You know, loads of stuff that you can just really quickly insert into your game. Yeah. Ooh. in a spiral-bound notebook-sized thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he'll be coming on next week to talk all about that. Oh, I shall look forward to this. This, yeah. this looks really interesting. Mm. Huh. Ah. Ah. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I do like that. <laughs> all right. And until then, oh. I guess we're done. Yeah, so, uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. 
In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. I've been Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. No, you haven't. That's true. No. I want to see, a, I want to see your papers, please. There will be no papers. There will only be exterminate. Exterminate. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, get out of here.